Hey guys, my name is Jacob, and welcome back to the podcast on Germany. Episode 10, Trouble is Knock Knock Knocking at Your Door. Can you believe it, guys? Double digits! We've been at this for 10 episodes now. I still can't believe we've gone this far. And today, we're going to be finishing up with the early Germans. So that's a nice capstone episode. Today, we are going to tear down a lot of what we've been building these previous nine episodes. German life is going to be turned upside down, and it's definitely not going to be great for their neighbors to the south. This disruption will tear down everything the Germans have been building. Their longhouse structure, their farming focus, everything is going to get turned upside down. And the new Germany is going to be completely different from what we've seen in the past. So you're probably wondering, what is causing this massive disruption to these early Germans? What's causing them to change? Well, we aren't 100% sure if there is one cause. What we do know is that there's a massive change and disruption for these early Germans from the 3rd century BC through the conquering of Gaul under Caesar in the 50s BC. Now, if you remember, Germany has always been on the verge of trouble due to how they live. The farming that they rely on doesn't leave them a lot of protection if there's a disaster. If there's a threat to this life, there's not much that it can do about it. So change could easily be caused by a drought or a flood, which will make the Germans desperate, force them to adapt, force them to move on. Or it could be due to the weaknesses of the longhouse system, of the Germans isolating themselves, not allowing them to work together, but working against each other. And so when an outside threat comes, they're unable to withstand it, and they're forced to change. Or it was a simple change over time, due to trade and cultural exchanges with the Celts to the south and the tribes to the east. Now, it's probably a combination of all three, But the one that probably played the most important role would have been the cultural exchanges, the trade. Now that's not saying that natural disaster or the invasions don't play a large part, but it's more that they play into the larger changes that have already been going on in the early German society. These changes that are slow, but inevitable. They come through the trade and the interactions that the Germans are having with the people around them. As we discussed in the previous episodes, the Celts and the Germans have a trade network that reached into Denmark, with material being found in burials, offering to the gods and the bogs, and the creation of major trading towns built between the borders of these two cultures. Both would bring not only items, but ideas and beliefs to these trading towns, causing a mixture of Celtic and Germanic cultures that would slowly over time spread. This is true for every nation and people on earth. As people intermix with one another, new ideas are introduced and are created. And as these people intermix with one another, the generation that comes from it is considerably changed from the older generation. You can see it in your own lives. If you've been through high school already, compare it to those who are going through it now. How much has changed? How different is the language itself? The classes? What power does the teacher have? What is the teacher's role even? 
All of these change over time. And this is just a four-year slot of our lives. But it's radically different from one generation to the next. For the Germans, there is going to be change. The increase in trade with the Celts to the south and the tribes to the east would have made these changes pronounced. And they would have influenced and shaped them. Now it is true that these changes, thanks to a crisis from a natural disaster or an outside threat, would have accelerated. And indeed would have forced more changes than would have been acceptable at a slower pace. However, we cannot place the change of the early Germans from their longhouse society to these tribes based on one-time events. Change comes through multiple events, multiple interchanges, and it takes time for them to be implemented. So keep this in mind as we go forward in history, that nothing is based on just one event. It's based on on effect over time. So what do we see happening with the Germans? Well, we see that the Germans become more militarized. Remember last week that the Celts seemed to receive mercenaries from the Germans to the north in order to fight their wars? This doesn't really match the idea of what we've built up with the German farming communities. Remember, Germans couldn't afford to spend too much time on training and warfare with a farming style that barely kept them alive. They couldn't go out and hire themselves off to the Celts if they have to make sure that they bring in enough food to provide for their families. They couldn't spend time fighting and learning how to fight if they're so busy managing their crops and livestock. But somehow, with the Celts, we start seeing more and more Germans coming down and working as mercenaries. We also see a buildup of tribes and chieftains that don't seem to be part of the older longhouse villages. The old longhouse villages would have been small self-contained farming communities that would have been extremely difficult to unite due to feuding and xenophobia. Think about it. Are you going to work with your neighbor who has a grudge against your family who could decide that one day they want to kill you because of that grudge? Or would you work with those mysterious people across the hill, you don't know anything about them. They might not like you. They might try to kill you. No, you're not going to work with either group. You're going to rely on your family and on your allies, those in the village who work with you. Not outsiders, and definitely not those in the village that you know hate you. Yet, these tribes, these large, united groups, start to form. And they're being controlled by very powerful and wealthy men. A power and wealth that was impossible for the early Germans. Because remember, there's not much material wealth in Germany. There's also not a lot of time to build up this wealth. You're always having to maintain a farming lifestyle in order to survive. How can you afford to purchase troops and maintain those troops when you're busy trying to survive. Somehow, this changes. We're going to see a large tribal army start to form, and societies being built around the power of a few men. The final thing we see is that the Germans are in the midst of chaos. 
especially in the 2nd century and 1st century BC. The exact reasoning for chaos in Germania was probably a combination of several issues, from natural disasters such as flooding and famine, to foreign invasions and internal turmoil. There's a theory that Europe goes through a series of massive movements of people throughout history. Tribes starting in Asia, Middle East, or Eurasia, move westwards, smashing into the tribes in Russia. Those tribes in Russia are forced to move further west, and they run into the tribes in Eastern Europe, which run into the tribes of Southeastern Europe and Germany, which runs into the tribes inside France and Spain and Northern Italy. This domino effect will erupt all through Europe before smashing into the Mediterranean and the Atlantic Ocean. The old tribes in the area either have to reorganize and meld into the new dominant tribes, or have to settle in an area outside of the threat, and probably become a threat themselves to their new neighbors. The Celts and the Germans seem to have set up into their area because of these movements, and they established themselves after one particular movement had ended. And it seemed that in the 1st and 2nd century BC, a new one was beginning. And the question was, would the Germans and Celts be able to hold their ground, give up, or have to move further west? Around the 3rd century BC, the Bastarnae arrive in the lower Danube basin. And they will begin the domino effect for the Germans and the Celts. Now the Bastarnae are considered a combination of Celts, Germans, and some eastern tribes. Maybe some Scythians, maybe some Vandae. We're not 100% sure. But we do know that the Bastarnae are not a single coherent group that forms around a central culture. It is several cultures combined into a group. And they were probably fleeing from a larger tribe to the east that had pushed them out of their lands. Now the Bastarnae are not an exception to the rule. In fact, they show what exactly is happening. Chaos in the east is forcing people to work together despite culture, despite language barriers. And so Germans and Celts, Eastern tribes, all of them are having to unite together and they're forming new tribes. They're being forced to resettle further west, which is disrupting the people that are already there and causing them to either fight, surrender, or flee. The Bastarnae will be a thorn in the side of the Romans. They will try to stop their expansion into the east, they will not be successful in the end. But due to their arrival in the 3rd century, they cause problems for the Germans. Now the Bastarnae are considered nomadic, and they relied on moving with their herds, which would cause a waxing and waning pressure on the Germans as the tribes moved. But it would stay as a threat to these Germans throughout the Roman age. So, we have an outside threat arriving in the 3rd century BC, but the changes that we're seeing in the Germans have probably already started before the 3rd century. Now, what are these changes that we're starting to see? Well, the Germans begin to get access to material wealth from the Celts to the south. Villages located on trade routes or controlling trade goods 
would begin to grow in power and wealth over their neighbors. Because the Celts are going to be bringing the wealth to these villages. They want to be on the trade routes. They want access to these goods. And so the coins, the pottery, the metals, they go to these villages. While their neighbors, they don't get as much. So we're going to start seeing a disproportionate level of wealth among the Germans. Certain men will start to get richer over their fellow villagers due to their control of trade goods on their land or due to their ability to work better deals with the Celts. And the Germans will recognize two things thanks to this trade. First, lands to the south, especially in Gaul, are far richer than what the Germans have in the north. And, if what they're hearing is true, they have excellent farming grounds as well. And B, that the power of these villages, the ones that who have gained wealth thanks to the trade routes and the goods, will be broken if this trade is ever stopped. So what do the Germans do? Well, these villages who have grown in power will want to secure and expand their power. Typically going to be at the cost of their neighbors. They're going to buy warriors. They're going to buy people who are looking for jobs, build their forces up, and attack their neighbors. This infighting is going to lead to the rise of leaders who control the wealth and experienced soldiers. And slowly over time, these leaders will take control of villages, build alliances, and form the tribes that the Romans will get to know and fear. Now, the leaders aren't building this just off of their own power. They rely on something that we call the retinue. The retinue is a group of warriors that serve as a bodyguard and standing troops to the chieftain. How many of you heard the story of the Sword of Damocles? If you haven't, the basic idea is that the man sitting on the throne has a sword tied to the ceiling right above his head. And it's to signify that even though you have the power, there's always this threat hanging above you that could end your power in a second. It's a pretty good story. But for these German chieftains, this retine will be the sword of Damocles. The retine is bound to him by bonds of loyalty, and her to serve the chieftain's whims and protect him on the battlefield in exchange for gifts. And that is the basic relationship between the two. So as long as the chieftain is giving them gifts, the retine is supposed to be loyal to him. However, the retine is human, and so this relationship doesn't stick to this give me gold and I work for you. What we see in the sources is that the retine starts to get younger and younger, and while they're still well-trained and experienced soldiers, they quest for glory more than wealth. And so the chieftains have to change their tune a little. And instead of just giving gifts to the retinue, they also have to show that they're worthy of the retinue. They have to win wars. They have to fight battles. And if the retinues aren't happy, then they can leave. So, if the current boss hasn't been campaigning for a couple of years, or loses one battle too many, well, the retinue could just give up. They could decide that, you know what, it's time to move on. I heard Uther over here is doing pretty good. Let's go work for him. Now, something that's built around loyalty and trust, you would think would actually 
maintain a stability for the Germans. But as the Rassanes get younger and they demand more honor over wealth, well, that stability is gone. And in fact, the Rassanes enforces a chaos among the Germans. Now, there is an upswing. If the German chiefs are successful, if they win plenty of campaigns, if they keep a tight control on the retinue, and if they can provide a steady wealth to them, then the retinue will actually expand. As other warriors from other tribes will come to you, they'll join up with your tribe because it's quite clear to them that you're doing what needs to be done. And this is going to allow certain villages to get stronger and stronger because their chieftains are not only able to appease their own warriors, they're able to recruit others. Overall, this retinue is going to lead to massive amount of infighting, as the chieftains are always having to look for new sources of wealth and new sources of honor to appease their warriors and to keep their throne. Now, chieftains were not the only form of government, nor were they the first of these large tribes that start to form. Tacitus mentions tribal assemblies that are being formed part of these larger tribes. And we will see them pop up every once in a while in our Roman sources. These assemblies are supposed to act as a governance for local affairs of the people. And they act as a cabinet for the chieftain, and later on kings of the Germans. Now, these may have come about because the chieftains could not rule their constantly growing tribes alone. Or... They could have been created as an act of appeasement to keep rebellions from devastating the tribes. But in the end, these assemblies don't seem to be extremely powerful. They may have been widely used, but it wasn't to the point that they were replacing the chiefs. These assemblies would not always be meeting, because it would have been extremely difficult to maintain contact in the larger tribes and to organize a continual assembly. Instead, we would see these assemblies being created during times of war, during times of crisis, and they would have been called upon by the chief. They would have been created by the chief, which gives the chief power over the assembly, because he can call them and dismiss them when he needs to. Eventually, these assemblies, which would have predated a lot of these powerful chiefs, will be completely overrun by the retinue, because while the assembly is called upon by the chief when he needs them, he doesn't have to listen to their advice. He doesn't have to call them. But his warriors, his bodyguards, if he doesn't take their advice, he may not be chief for much too longer. So these German tribes are starting to form, and thanks to the trade with the Celts, more wealth is being pumped into the area, allowing certain men to get more powerful. We see more infighting happening as the wealth is starting to be localized. And we see the rise of warriors, those who are actually being trained and maintained to fight rather than to farm. The amount of infighting that this would have led to would have probably sent many packing and heading to better lands. Those who lost their homes thanks to the chieftains' advances, or chieftains who are simply looking for more wealth to keep their retinue happy, may have heard the rumors and know from first-hand knowledge that the lands to the south were rich. 
So many Germans will start going to the Celts. And it's from these people, those who are desperate to flee the chaos of the north, and those who are looking to expand their power base, that started up this mercenary trade with the Celts. German individuals could go to the trade towns and offer themselves to a merchant as a mercenary, at which point they had been taken and joined with a tribe that was needing individual mercenaries. Or we could see chiefs going directly to the Celtic tribes and offering their service and their warrior service and trade for wealth. And as more Germans are being bought by the Celts to fight their wars, the more words are being spread about the rich and fertile lands of the Celts to the south. Eventually, these mercenaries will come back to Germany, maybe as soldiers fighting for the Celts, maybe trying to build more power bases at home, or maybe simply just trying to get home. But they'll bring word back with them. Pressure will start to fall onto the Celts, because the Germans in the north have heard about this land, and more and more refugees and chiefs who want to take advantage of these lands will start coming. And the Celts won't like all the competition. All of this will get ramped up around the 2nd century BC as the Bastarnae put a lot of pressure onto the Germans from the east. As tribes of horsemen rush in, destroying the crops and the villages in the east, forcing the people there to flee, either joining up with the tribes in central Germany or fighting with those tribes for land causing natural disasters to happen as farms are overworked, as there's too many mouths to feed. And so the tribes that have already been formed, thanks to the control of the trade, will either have to harden against this threat to the east, adapt, accept refugees, or look to the west and try to get better lands there, lands that are far away from these new threats. And next week, we will discuss what happens when the Germans finally decide that maybe it's not such a bad idea to go further west. And they start putting pressure on the Celts and the new power that's coming out of central Italy called Rome. Alright guys, that'll do it for this week. I hope you guys enjoyed. Please leave a comment on the Facebook page or email me at podcastongermany at gmail.com if you have any questions glad to answer any at all that I can. I will see you guys next Tuesday.